Hello and welcome to the 10 to Track Weekly World Match Preview Podcast. I am Soccer Noob. Joining me in pre-recorded fashion this week is my regular co-host, nine-year-old daughter, Person Noob. Hello! She sounds good there on the pre-recording, but sadly right now she is down with strep throat. But we'll still be hearing from her on her countdown and a few other duties. Now, what do we do here? Well, we're going to do mini previews of the 10 most important, intriguing matches in the entire football world. As we define them here at Team Noob, and we do that in a unique fashion. Now, it's important matches from top flight leagues all over the world. But the difference between us and most other podcasts is we'll go to not just the most important countries like England or France or Major League Soccer in the U.S. We will go to any confederation, any nation. If the game is important where it's being played, there's a good chance that we're going to be talking about it. Plus, international club matches, national team matches, those are going to make their way in as well. This week, we're going to be looking at games from Friday, August 20th through Thursday, the 26th. Friday through Thursday is our footy week. Now, one more note before we dive in, I want you to please look forward with me to a segment we're going to do next week that I really wanted to do this week called Mr. Noob Goes to Cincinnati. I've never been to a Major League Soccer game. In fact, unless you count playing in the YMCA for one summer a handful of games when I was eight years old, I've never been to a soccer game at all or watched one in person. But I was graciously given an extra ticket to go to the FC Cincinnati game against Club de Foot Montreal by Travis of the You Ain't Lion podcast. You can find out specifically how you can listen to his really great podcast. I've been doing so. If you find me on Twitter, why is that? Well, because I thanked him there and included his podcast address on Twitter uh, when I did a little travel log of photos that I took for my trip. I was going to briefly peruse those for a segment this week with Person Noob and record her reactions but as I mentioned, her strap. But I did want to take one more chance right away to say thank you and again to Travis for the ticket. Had a great time. Now, with no further gilding of any lilies, let's start off with... March number one! We will keep things chronologically oriented as always. And unlike the last couple of weeks, we do actually have a Friday match or two that made the 10-to-track cut. And we start off here in CONCACAF, our federation in the Great White North. Canada, their Premier League, we're visiting it once again. They're almost halfway through the season there. A reminder that the top four of these eight teams are going to make the playoffs, and the winner will qualify for the CONCACAF League. A very quick reminder that that is not the CONCACAF Champions League, however. We get to follow the CONCACAF League to see which of those teams are going to qualify, along with some others that go automatically in, into the CONCACAF Champions League. In any case, our matchup is current number one Pacific FC versus the current second place side at Calvary FC. Uh, At the time that I scouted this, Pacific lead in the table by four points, and then Calvary lead Valor FC by two. They've already played a couple of times this season. They've got to play each other three or probably four times since it's such a small league right now. Pacific won the first home match two to nothing, and then when they played at Cavalry, it was a nil-nil draw, and that was just about a week and a half ago is all. Overall for their series, Cavalry have the all-time lead five, three, and two. 
Let's take a look at each. First, Pacific FC. We've talked a little bit about them before, but we will revisit. They play in the greater Victoria area on British Columbia. This is not so much a, a political area as a culturally designated uh, or recognized area. About 400,000. It's the 13 easternmost districts on the southern tip of Vancouver Island. Give you some uh, geographic perspective. Like a lot of the teams, it's fairly new. This is just their third season. Last year, they finished fourth place in the league, and that is the best of their finishes. This year, the defense is okay. Really, everybody in the whole league is kind of squashed together uh, in that regard. Uh, but the offense sets them apart. They are number one by a fair bit as they score over one and a half goals per game on average. Tied for number one in league scoring and number one in league assists and perhaps even your heart, Marco Bustos, attacking midfielder, 25 years old. He came up in the uh, Major League Soccer Vancouver Whitecap system and even made a handful of appearances for them over three years. They also get to boast of having the number one goalkeeper in the league, Callum Irving. He too came up with Vancouver. As far as the team's current form, they have no losses in their last six matches, looking very strong. Meanwhile, Cavalry FC, they play in Foothills County in southern Alberta. That's still considered the greater part of, Cal of uh, Calgary, rather. I nearly said Cavalry again. Area of about 25,000. Uh, this team has had success in their past. They won the spring and fall seasons. They had two separate stages in 2019. And what a year it was for for them. That was sort of a qualification year, I believe, to see whether or not they were going to be allowed into the Premier League in some fashion that I didn't read too deeply on. They all, they finished second in the playoffs that year and in the Canadian Championship, basically Canada's FA Cup. They even beat the Vancouver Whitecaps that year. Very impressive. Uh, this year, very well balanced. Top three offense, top two defense. Probably their best all-around player, though, is a defender who scored one goal Dutch fellow named uh, Dan or Don. It's got two A's, Klomp. He's uh, played quite a bit in Europe, but even most Euro footy fans probably wouldn't recognize his name. Uh, all the clubs he played over uh, within the Netherlands, like Breda NEC, were, are or were non-top-flight uh, teams at the time. And if you have a chance to watch this somehow online as you're looking for him, he's more offensively oriented, much better at passing and at dribbling than he really is at tackles. And we do have a USA connection. Uh, they have a player named Alhinga Salamani. Uh, he now represents for Canada and plays, again, defender, but he is from the USA and, in fact, at one point repped the USA. He uh, had one or more appearances for the under-17 national team. And he has repped for a lot of other places as well. This guy has gotten around like a record. He has played for the Lincoln Red Imps over in Gibraltar, Hawks Bay in New Zealand, even a club called, I believe it's Vlasham, which is a Division II side in Czechoslovakia. And then at the other end of the European spectrum, much better league, he's even played in Greece for one of the big three clubs over there, uh, Panathinaikos. Uh and he is the only American player that plays for either side. I've never, I don't see a lot of Americans in any of the Canadian teams, which surprises me a little bit. Their form, they have been very strong as well of late. No losses in their last five matches. My thoughts on how this might go. Well, this is kind of my tiebreaker. Both are in the Canadian Championship right now, but Cavalry had to go on the road last Sunday to play their preliminary round match. So they might be a little bit tired between that and the fact that this is at Pacific. I'm counting on Pacific to be able to uh, defend their home turf and win this at home. Match number B. 
Thank you, Person Noob, for reminding us, as always, that number B, so, so superior to the bathroom talk that is ick. Number two, I mean, who wants to be uncouth like that? So, Noobites, listeners, join the revolution and replace that phrase in your daily lives. Number B is the way to go, I promise you. And for match number B, we're heading over to Europe for a UEFA match in the Women's Champions League. This is the round one final. I'll explain what that means. In round one, there are 43 teams that have been divided into mostly, I know the math wouldn't work out otherwise without that, groups of four. They're playing single match knockout format at one of the four teams' host sites. And then only the winner of each of those groups of four gets to advance to the second round. The match we're going to look at is Benfica out of Portugal versus Racing Club out of Luxembourg. Yeah. And they're playing this in Sarajevo. One of the other teams is from Sarajevo that didn't happen to make the final. The reason I've chosen this particular one out of so many is because Racing Club represents the lowest seeded team still left alive in the field. And there's not a lot of parity necessarily in uh, women's football around the world. And so this is the only chance we're going to get to probably talk about a team like this. Although, who knows? Upsets have got to happen sometime, don't they? First, let's talk about the on-paper home team. Benfica. They are the Eagles and play out of Lisbon. The women's club was founded just three years ago. Obviously, Benfica is a much better known name on uh, the world stage for the men's club. The top flight there is called the Campeonato Nacional, and it's just ranked number 23 in UEFA, not uh, quite as highly ranked as the men's side in the coefficients. Nevertheless, a little bit above average. They beat an Israeli side called Kiryat Gat. Uh, 4-0 to advance to the final here in Sarajevo. They've won one league title, and then uh, obviously this last year, and then the year before that, they were in first place, but that was a COVID-shortened year. Interestingly, Benfica, I told you there wasn't a lot of parity, is actually the third lowest team left alive that could still advance to round two, but when the round started, they were ranked roughly in the middle. As far as their stats, I don't believe that their league season has started this year. Last year, the offense was where their bread got buttered. They had the number one offense scoring an astounding three-plus goals per game, top two defense as well. Uh, There was a tiny bit of parity in that league. There were actually two teams vying for the title. They beat Sporting CP by only two. Name to look for in the box score. Leading scorer is Chloe Lacasse. She is a dual national player, uh, can represent both Canada and Iceland as things stand right now. She's a forward, 28 years old, and a special place in my heart. Uh, she played her college ball and I believe was the leading scorer all four years for the University of Iowa, which just happens to be alma mater, where I did not play women's soccer. Coincidence? Well, yes, of course, it would have to be coincidence. In any case, now, Racing Club. They play out of the capital, Luxembourg City. This is a league that their top flight league in Luxembourg is tied for being the worst in all of UEFA with four other nations. That said, there are five countries that don't even enter at all. It's going to really be a long haul in the women's game for teams from this league to probably get very far. But Racing Club did beat host team SFK 2000. They're from Bodzia and Herzegovina's uh, Sarajevo club, nil one in the first part of this first round. And so here they are in the final. Maybe they can get another upset. Noob will be wrong. In any case, last year, they were hard pressed to do anything wrong in their league. They went 23-3-0, scored 156 goals and only conceded 17. 
No wonder they were undefeated. They had the second best offense. Yeah, believe it or not, somebody in that league scored more goals. Number one defense and only the second best goal differential. How on earth a team from that league scored more than 156 goals in 26 matches and lost four of those matches is absolutely beyond me. In any case, I wasn't able to find much about this league or the team. The only thing I can tell you, and I know how strong she is statistically necessarily, but that their captain is a gal named, I'm going to pronounce it, Wojdyla. In any case, good luck to both, and particularly to Racing Club, because who doesn't enjoy an upset? Match number three. Moving ahead to the first of our Saturday matches, we're coming back to CONCACAF, and specifically to Major League Soccer, where they're about halfway through the season. A reminder that the conference winners, both East and West, will qualify, amongst others, for the CONCACAF Champions League. In the matchup in question, that looked too juicy to pass up. Number four in the West, the Colorado Rapids, taking on number five and team noob despised Real Salt Lake. Real means royal, and we think it's silly that they call themselves royal. We don't have a king and queen here. Neither one. In any case, you can catch this match and root against RSL at 9 o'clock Eastern on ESPN Plus on Saturday. Here's how the table stood at the time that I scouted this. Colorado were ahead of RSL by seven in the table, even though they're right next to each other ordinarily, and they trailed number one Seattle by six points. That's the only really big move upward that they could make that would be meaningful ultimately. Meanwhile, RSL, they're more focused on just hanging on to their playoff spot because the top seven are going to get to go to the playoffs. Real Salt Lake, Lake lead number eight, LAFC and the San Jose Earthquakes by four points in the table. So those are the two teams that represent the ones that are just barely on the outside of the playoff picture. Real Salt Lake has absolutely dominated the overall series. They lead 18-7-6 against the Rapids, and they won at home earlier this season 3-0. Colorado's current form, they are 3-1-0 in their last four and have three road wins plus a nil-nil home draw against Kansas City, one of the best teams in the league. Royal Salt Lake, they recently broke a three-match winless streak with home wins over an admittedly couple of poor teams, but wins are wins in Austin and Houston. So how do we think that this is going to turn out? Well, why guess, I say, when you in fact have on contract with you, like we do, the greatest oracle of all time, 3,500-year-old Noobstradamus. And when I say greatest, I mean that he's the only one that we could get on contract for no money being involved. He's willing to lend us his services for uh, loose prescription pills and a, uh, a bunch of bottles of soda stream tab every week. We take what we can get. And eventually he'll even get one of these results right. Who knows? In any case, let's see if we can coax a rich and enlightening vision with a winner and a score from the mighty soothsayer. Take it away. Hello from the merciless Thracian plains of Greece. I divined that you would call on me again this week, asking me to use my gifts of seeing into the universal infinite. Seems a waste just to help you make a few bucks on a soccer score. But I've downed my bag of loose expired prescription pills you sent, per our agreement. And so, for your listeners, I travel once again through space and time. Whee! As last time, 
I find myself in the avatar of another human. My name is Henry John Deutschendorf Jr. I stand atop a cathedral mountain, silver clouds below. The elation, the joy I feel of this place is near indescribable, like I've come home to a place I've never been. The Perseus constellation reigns overhead, and the Perseids meteor shower rains down fire from above me. This happens only once every 133 years. So I, as Noobstradamus, has had only 26 chances to even try to see it. I turn inside myself to try to comprehend the serenity of the cool blue mountain lake. I feel richer for seeing the eagle fly above me. But where is the knowledge I seek? Ah, yes. These fireballs in the sky are said to be the tears of St. Lawrence, martyred on the 10th of August, now his famed day. Noob, Houston will win in a fiery shootout. Ten to eight. I have seen and I have spoken. Ten to eight for the result. You know, I feel like the universal infinite, quote unquote, watches more, say, American League baseball than soccer, perhaps. Uh, well, remember, Nubites, um, gamble responsibly, if at all, based on this stuff. Anyway, and to those who are uh, perhaps not quite of an age to know just what it was Noobstradamus was envisioning, I recognize all those visual elements as being from uh, the folks on classic Rocky Mountain High. Uh, John Henry Deutschdorf Jr. was not going to slip past me. My parents saw him perform at Luther College in Decorah, Iowa, not long before he changed his name to his far more well-known moniker, John Denver. The matches in Colorado. Okay, we follow you, Noobstradamus. Got it. You know what? We don't have any paying sponsors for this show. Yet. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So you know what? Let's take a moment and honor John with his tree-planting PSA from 1989. Plant a tree for your tomorrow. It's your tree that clears the air. Plant a tree. Trees for America, plant a tree today for all the world to share. Match number four. And now we're headed back over to Europe once again. Match number four takes us to England for one of my very favorite events, the FA Cup. Now, here's an explanation for newer fans. Uh, in every country, there is a league, or usually there are leagues, and then alongside the league play in the calendar, there is also being played the FA Cup. It has its own matches. Uh, these are single-match knockout tournaments. Uh, think brackets, like for NCAA basketball, for those of you who are American or familiar with that particular event. But that's kind of where the similarity ends. In England, and this is far and away the biggest one in the world, and they stretch the most deeply down their pyramid – to get teams to participate 637 teams from levels five through 10 in the English 
football pyramid duke it out for the first couple of months in these brackets until just 32 of them are left. Uh, in the very first round of these qualifying events, which they call the extra preliminary round, uh, teams, some teams from level nine in the pyramid and uh, a few teams from level 10 that have qualified. And by the way, each level means their teams are less and less professional or less and less in skilled amateur teams. That's where they face off. The winners will advance to the preliminary round or second qualifying round is what I would call it, which is actually where we are in the calendar right now. I forgot to cover this last week, even though it's one of my favorites. Here and in each successive round, teams from better and better levels in the English pyramid will also be entering the tournament. A couple of months from now, the Premier League teams will even finally enter, and that is when uh, the folks in England will mostly tell you when the event proper starts would be their way to put it. And by the way, there is stake. there are stakes involved. The winner uh, automatically qualifies for the Europa League. The matchup I picked for us to look at is uh, from the eighth level of the pyramid, Prescott Cables versus Campione from the 10th level. They managed to survive. We'll talk about Prescott first. Uh, it's basically a coin flip or a, a draw once they determine who's playing who, and it's very random. Prescott get to host. They are known as the Pesky Bulls, or as you might imagine, the Cables. This team plays on a home ground that's uh, basically only about eight miles east of the uh, city center of Liverpool. It's an area of about 20,000. And uh, by the way, Prescott, I never knew this, translates to Priest's Cottage. Kind of cool. In any case, they are called the Cables because in the early 20th century, uh, there was a working uh, cable manufacturer right here where the grounds are now. It used to be one of the main employers. And centuries before that, the history buffs will know this. This was actually one of the uh, centers in the world for uh, both watch and clock making. Also, something else that they're interested for, and I have a bit of a theater background, so this caught my eye. There was also once a purpose-built Shakespearean theater built that back during Shakespeare's lifetime right here in Prescott. And now they're building a new one. It's going to be ready probably for plays, they're guessing, in uh, spring of 22. In any case, back to the football. This team has actually made the group stage of the FA Cup twice but you've got to go all the way back to the 1950s. So for a lot of these teams from the lower level of the pyramid, this is a once at most in a lifetime experience to get to play in the FA Cup. Uh, 2004, 2005, roughly, they started getting to play in the uh, National Premier League, which is not the Premier League. That is a level seven division that, uh, or level in the pyramid. That's the highest they've ever gotten. They stayed there for maybe five seasons. Right now, they play in a league called the Northern Premier League Division One West, and they are just now entering this round. They didn't have to play in the extra preliminary round. Uh, it's very early, early in their league season. There's 0-0-2. Last year, it was a curtailed season because of COVID. They were only in 15th place out of the 19 teams when it ended. In fact, they were just two, one and six. So they qualified either through some other event or based on the previous year's, year's play or both at the time they had the number 12 and uh, offense and defense going. So who knows if they haven't made improvements, maybe a level 10 team could pull yet another upset. And that's why I picked this particular match because it had one of the level 10 teams. And that is Campio. They play out of West Yorkshire, which is actually in the north central part of the country, in the town of Bradford, which is part of the Leeds greater area, more or less. It's about 10 miles west of there in a council ward called Manningham. This is an industrial worker area of about, oh, 20, maybe 20,000 people and used to be uh, the large Jewish residential and professional area uh, decades back. 
Interestingly, this isn't even the best team in the area. Not only is there Leeds, of course, in Leeds that plays the Premier League, but even Bradford City has a League Two team, which is a professional level four team in the pyramid. So these guys work hard for attention, but they've finally gotten it. They advanced to this round by winning in the extra preliminary round. They beat a level nine team called Athersley Recreation out of the Northern Counties East Premier Division One. In fact, last year, Campione was in that very, very same league. They got transferred over this year as teams come and go. They sometimes have to make moves uh, just for balancing purposes, I believe. Uh, last season, they finished in second place, but it was a curtailed season. Uh, they were number one on offense at the time, scoring over three goals per match. Uh, defense is where they struggle a little bit, and that's where I worry about them for this particular match. They were barely in the top half. In any case, they've yet to play a league match this season. Hopefully they can find themselves in form quickly. And good luck, good luck to both. This is a fabulous event to track. Match number five. A very unique event for this particular Saturday match. It is the 2019-2020, thanks for all the schedule messing up COVID, Arab Club Champions Cup. Uh, this is put on by the, uh, I'm going to pronounce it UAFA, United Arab Football Association, and it is the only international event that they put on. There are no berths to any other tournaments on the line for this. This is a standalone event, but it's got a lot of people involved. I gather this is a much bigger deal than standalone tournaments in other part of the world. You've got representatives from uh, 20 different countries. There are 19 African clubs, 19 Asian clubs, uh, eight teams in the opening stage in two different groups had to vie for two berths into the knockout round of 32. They've gotten through all of that except for the final. And as a side note here, when this uh, event got started, oh, maybe 50 years ago, Asian sides really dominated. Then there was a period of maybe a decade where things were pretty even. And now the last two decades, it's been African sides that have won the vast majority of the titles. The draw appears to be pretty random for the bracketing, and yet uh, we do have an Asia versus Africa final. Specifically, all Itihad Jeddah out of Saudi Arabia will be taking on Raja Casablanca of Morocco. And this is going to take place in Morocco, but in the city of Rabat, not Casablanca. But uh, to say this is anything but basically a home team for uh, Raja uh, would be misstating it. In any case, let's talk about all Itihad first. Uh, they are known as the Brigadier and also the Tigers. Uh, kind of an interesting crest. I don't usually comment too hard on the crest, but this is very strange. It's like they have a somewhat simple shield-shaped shield crest. Boy, is that hard to say. And yet that is built into a similarly colored, very blocky yellow number one. Looks a little bit cheesy, to be honest, but it was kind of interesting and unique. In any case, uh, the Saudis' top flight, this is the number four ranked league in the AFC that they come out of, and they are the number one Arab country out of all of them for football. Uh, this is a top 20 club in the Asian Football Confederation. They play out of the city, as you would imagine, of Jeddah, since that's part of their name, of course. And this is the second largest city in the country, about four and a half million people, and essentially the commercial center of the country. Very liberal, very touristy. Uh, it's in the south central part of the country on the Red Sea. 
To advance to the final, they had to beat uh, their fellow countrymen or country club anyway, uh, Al-Shabaab out of the Saudi Pro League as well. They actually won this event back in 2004, 2005, when it was known as the Arab Champions League. It's had uh, four or five names uh, over the years at the very least. Uh, The Saudi Pro League is just a match or two into their season this year. So to look at how the club was doing last year, well, they finished third place in their own league, uh, had an okay offense, a little bit above average, but a second best defense in the league. Tied for number five in scoring for the league was the singularly named Romarinho out of Brazil. He plays the second striker position, spent the heart of his career with an excellent club back in Brazil, Corinthians. He is also the leader for this particular event. He has scored seven goals. And then I believe also from Brazil, uh, top four goalkeeper from their league is Marcelo. I'm going to simply pronounce it Gro, G-R-O-H-E. And he spent all of his 15 senior years with Grêmio, another great club over in Brazil, although they're struggling this year, before coming here in 2019. Now, your challengers, Raja Casablanca, they are known as the Green Eagles or the Green Devils, and uh, they play out of uh, the Batola Pro is the name of their league, and that is the number one league rated right now in all of Africa. It's basically them and Egypt, and there's a pretty sizable gap in that association's uh, confederation's coefficients. They have won this event once as well back in 2005, 2006. They advanced to the final by beating Ismaili out of the Egyptian Premier League 3-1 to in the semifinal. The 2020-2021 Batola just ended, in fact, so we got they should be in better form, to be perfectly honest, and I think that's what's going to make this an excellent game. And in their own league, they have the second-best offense and defense. The offense could be a little bit of a question, but obviously they haven't suffered for it so far. They had the second-leading scorer in a country, home countryman named Ben Malongo, but he just moved over to Sharjah in the UAE Pro League. I know that when this event started, he was still playing. I am uncertain whether or not he is still allowed to represent uh, Raja Casablanca over this, for this event at this point. The second best event scorer is somebody who is still on their team, thankfully for them. Uh, Mohsin Motuali, a 35-year-old veteran attacking midfielder. And they also had the second best goalkeeper from their league, Anas Zanidi. And he's been here a long time, since 2007, and has over 250 appearances with Raja. Hearken to P-Noob's kitty sounds. That means it's time to take a break from our tracking of the upcoming week's matches and do what we actually purport to do in our name. That is namely track. Let's recap last week's matches. Saturday, match number one, we went to the top flight in Brazil, the Serie A, where number one Atletico Mineiro took on number B, Paul Myras, and the result was Mineiro winning 2-0. Jefferson Savarino had a brace. Guilherme Arana had a brace of assists. This didn't lead to any change in table position. These two teams are still number one and number B. Um, I'm proud to say that I picked Mineiro to win this one, so I'll toot my own horn. Match number B from Norway's top Sierra, and that's the women's top flight. We had number one IL Sandviken taking on number B Lusenberg, and the result was a 2-0 win for Sandviken. No change in table position here either. Sunday, match number three, Major League Soccer, number six, Portland Timbers took on number B Seattle Sounders, and it was the Sounders in an absolute route. Two to six, both Freddie Montero and Raul Rui Diaz had braces. Uh, the man that we said here might be man of the match, match rather, Joe. Joao Paulo had a pair of assists. This drops Portland all the way down to eighth place. 
and just out of the playoff picture, match number four was supposed to be one out of the Grenada Premier Division. Yes, believe it or not, number one Paradise taking on number B Hurricanes, but the match ended up being postponed. Last I had looked, there was not a determined date for when it would be made up. Match number five, a Tuesday match in Liga MX, number one Toluca taking on number three Mazatlan. The result was a 2-2 draw for Toluca. Rubens Sambuesa scored the second goal to make sure that they salvaged the point. One of the folks that we said to look for in the box score. Toluca, based on this and other results, is now down to second place in the table. And Mazatlan actually dropped all the way down to number six. But it's very early in the stage there. Match number six from the Canadian Championship, their FA Cup. We had HF, HFX, that's Halifax Wanderers, taking on AS Blainville in the preliminary round, and Halifax got the win 2-1. to one. Possible man of the match candidate, we said to look for Joel Morelli had a penalty kick go. Goal Wednesday, match number seven, Major League Soccer once again. Number B, Philadelphia Union took on number four, NYCFC. Noob correctly predicted that both of these teams struggling would end up seeing Philadelphia coming out on top, and they did 1-0. But based on other results that took place over the couple days following, Philadelphia actually dropped a slot to number three, and NYCFC also dropped a slot to number five. Match number eight, the AFC Cup. Basundara Kings took on Maziah out of Bangladesh and the Maldives, respectively. And unsurprisingly, it was Basundara Kings that got the win 2-0. Brazilian, we said to look for in the box score. Robinho got one of the goals. One group stage match to go uh, for the Kings, and that is against India's Mohun Bagan, your favorite. That's going to be on Tuesday. I should have been tracking this that for this week. Uh, whoops. Uh, anyway, Basundara Kings trail by two, so that means that they will have to win in order to advance. Match number nine, we went to the CONCACAF League, not the CONCACAF Champions League. This is the feeder tournament for that one. For the second leg of a home and away tie, CD Marathon from Honduras taking on Darion Hen FC out of Nicaragua. And it was, got to scroll a little further down, <laughs> Marathon winning 2-1. to one. That means that they win the overall tie 3-1 to one on aggregate and advance. Match number 10, UEFA's Women's Champions League, round one. We looked at RSC Anderlecht out of Belgium versus Hayasa or Hayasen out of Armenia. And unsurprisingly, it was Anderlecht getting the win 3-0. Although a little bit surprisingly, good on the Armenian side, uh, Hayasen held them scoreless in the first half. And then our bonus matches with explanations coming later. First, Saturday was our route of the week. Major League Soccer one more time. Last place, Toronto took on number one, New England. And the result was a little bit closer than we thought it would be, but New England did come out on top. One to two. Alex Pozuelo had an assist for a Toronto guy. We said we might do that might do well. And Gustavo Bao, uh, he had the game-winning penalty kick in the 83rd minute. And then our most meaningless match in the world, the second bonus match, was a Saturday one from the Solomon Islands S League. Number eight, Laugu United took on number seven, Isabel United, and it was Isabel winning one to two. That moves them up to number six in the standings. I thought it was going to be a draw because that's how the most meaningless match in the world usually goes. And then finally, our match of Disappointed, a Saturday match out of the League of Ireland Premier Division. Last place, number 10, Longford Town, took on number nine, Finn Harps. 
and unsurprisingly, because Longford Town is just dreadful, uh, Finn Harps won nil to three, got the win that climbed them up past Waterford to number eight, just as anticipated. That concludes our recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back to tracking the upcoming week's matches with match number six. This is our final Saturday match, and we're headed off to Canada again, this time to the aforementioned Canadian Championship, Canada's FA Cup. It's still in the preliminary round. Uh, This is a knockout format tournament, like most FA Cups all across the world. The winner is going to get to go to the CONCACAF League. Once again, that's not the CONCACAF Champions League. This is... The CL is a feeder to the CCL. Good way to remember it. And your matchup is going to be York United FC versus an outfit called Masters Football Academy. And they are truly academy as opposed to a club proper. And the winner is going to get to, uh, well, have their hands full. They're going to get to play uh, Toronto FC out of Major League Soccer, which, as you might imagine, got a buy in this tournament. First, we'll talk about York. They play out of the Canadian Premier League, and they are in Toronto. They are known as the Nine Stripes. Made a little history during the COVID pause. During 2020, they sold a player named Emilio Estevez to the uh, Eredivisie, which is the Dutch top flight, to a club called Den Haag, although now that team is in Division Two, They were in the top flight at the time. And that is the first time this very young Canadian Premier League has ever made a sale to, of a player to a top flight Euro club. So congratulations. It's all part of the growth. Now, even though they were only founded three years ago, this is already the second name this club has had. They used to be called York Nine and now simply York United FC. Currently, they are in fifth place out of the eight teams in the uh, CPL. Uh, Top four offense, not bad. They struggle on defense, to be perfectly honest. They're second to last in that category, and that's what could give Masters a little bit of hope, in my opinion, albeit not much. You're talking about a fully professional club versus what I believe is a semi-professional club. Now, York's all-around best player is probably uh, Diodini. Obzi, he is a midfielder, very young, as are a lot of the players in the CPL, 22 years old, uh, already has two goals and two assists on the league season, and he even got his first uh, Canadian national team appearance just this past March. And we do have another USA connection. They've got a guy named Osvaldo Ramirez. He is a forward, uh, most recently Mexican football fans. He wasn't in La Liga, but he did play with Cancun, which is in the second division there. Now, let's talk about Masters. They play out of the Scarborough area in eastern Ontario. It's about 650,000. Uh, this is a real famous part of Ontario. It's got the uh, very popular zoo, and then it is very popular with new immigrants. So, this is a very multicultural area. And yes, per my notes, I did re- remember correctly, they are a semi professional team. Founded just 12 years ago, only uh, a little bit before the League One Ontario that they play out of was founded. Now, if you listen to last week's episode, you'll remember a little bit about this. Uh, The Canadian Premier League are considered a Canadian Tier 1 team. They have no teams that the Canadian Football Association considers Tier 2, which I assume has to do with how much they're playing, paying the players, what the facilities are like, etc. So you've got two Tier 3 leagues. League 1 Ontario is one of those, and so this team is out of that. Currently, there are 15 teams playing in this league, divided into East and uh, Western divisions, playing just 12 games total. There are actually more clubs affiliated with this, but because of the delay in their season due to COVID and some other things, and the fact that a lot of the kids that play in this are college kids, only 15 of the usually like 21 or 22 teams are involved in the league. 
Masters is 2-0-1 on the year. The last really complete season they got to play, it was a little while back, but we'll look, was 2019. Uh they finished in fourth place in the regular season. That was the best they'd ever done. And then they won the playoffs with the top four offense and defense. Match number seven. Perhaps for the first time ever, we don't have a single qualifying Sunday match for the 10 to track, nor Monday, which isn't all that unusual. And so we move on to Tuesday on the calendar for match number seven. We head back to Europe for the men's UEFA Champions League. It is the playoff round and the second leg of the home and, home and away two-legged ties over there. And this is the last round of the playoff round before the group stage, or what they would call the event proper. So this is an extra, extra big deal. And the matchup I've chosen for us to focus on out of Hungary is Ferenc Varos versus Young Boys of Bern out of Switzerland. If you're so inclined, you can catch this on ESPN Plus, 3 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. Young Boys won the first leg 3-2, to two, uh, given that it was a high-scoring affair and, then now the home, and now the home team are behind by one. That was the reason I decided to focus on this one, thought it would be the most entertaining for leg two. The winner of this going to the group stage, uh, when they do the draw for that, they're going to divide all the teams into four pots. Based on seeding, unfortunately, for these two, is not random, so they will be placed under in pot number four and have to play all teams from leagues that are considered better than theirs. Nevertheless, let's take a look at each. Ferran Varos, they are known as the Green Eagles. They play out of Budapest in a uh, central, uh, rapidly gentrifying area of the city, about 60,000 people. They play out of a league that is ranked number 26 in UEFA. That's up two from a year ago. We're going to call it the NB1. Most people do because my Hungarian is awful. And it is both the N and the B that those stand for are really, really long and have consonants and vowels in an order that I am not used to seeing. In any case, they advanced to this round by beating Slavia Prague 2-1 on aggregate in the third qualifying round. Last year, they made the Champions League uh, group stage, and it was the second time they've ever done that, but then they finished in fourth and didn't get any further. Interestingly, they've also never gotten past the group stage in the Europa League. I wouldn't have guessed that. They're just a couple of games into the current league season, one and one. So we'll look at last year. They, of course, won the league. But oh, and how. They beat uh, Puskas Academia by 20 points in the table. Number one offense and defense, scoring over two times per game on average and only allowing a goal two out of every three matches. Goodness. Top five league score was Mirto Uzini, an Albanian winger who had spent a couple of previous seasons with a very good club in Croatia, uh, Lokomotiva Zagreb. Probably their current best player right now, if it's not Uzini, is Frank Boli out of the Ivory Coast. He's a striker who's already got two uh, goals on the young season. And we have a USA connection, a 25-year-old defender named Henry Wingo, who spent a couple of seasons recently with Seattle in MLS. Now, Young Boys of Bern, or just Young Boys, as they're usually called. Uh, Bern is sort of the de facto capital of Switzerland. It's a federal city, but not officially a capital in the way most countries have one. In any case, uh, the overall metro area has about a uh, half a million people. It's the fifth biggest city in the country, kind of sits in the northwest central part of Switzerland. Their league, the Super League, is up five notches in the most recently and very recently released, in fact, coefficient in Europe. They're up to uh, number 14, and congratulations to them on that, because that means that next year they will get two Champions League berths instead of just one. Now, they've had some success in this event. They got all the way to the semifinal once. 
but you've got to go all the way back to 1958-59. Goodness. Now, they have been making some uh, group stages for the Champions League recently, never any further. Uh, last year, they did get as far as the round of 16 in the Europa League. This year, to advance in the third qualifying rate, Round They beat Romanian club CFR Cluj 4-2 on aggregate. On their young league season, they are 1-1-1. One, one, one. Last year, they won the league by uh, over Basel by 31 points. Just nearly a perfect season. Best offensive defense, as you might imagine. Two goals per game and change. Less than one goal allowed per game. And their goal differential was more than six times better than anyone else's. Tied for number one in league scoring was Jean-Pierre Ensame, Cameroonian striker. Uh, he spent a fair bit of the of his 2010s with uh, Ange, if I'm getting my pronunciation right, over in, uh, pronunciation right. I should pronounce that word right at least. <laughs> over in France's League One, and then they've got a goalkeeper who's got one of my favorite names in all of Footyland, David Van Balmoos. B-A-L-M-O-O-S. No real punchline there. It's just kind of fun to look at and say. And we have another USA connection. They have a young striker named Jordan Sibachu uh, from the U.S. who's already got six USMNT caps. He has spent uh, a little bit of time over in Europe in his young career already, played for two French League One teams himself, uh, Rennes and also Rennes. Match number eight. And now on Wednesday, we're going to grab some more frequent flyer miles and head over to Asia for the AFC Cup, which is their secondary international club tournament there. A little explainer, this is not the Champions League. This is their secondary international club tournament. It's not really the equivalent of the Europa League. It's a little bit different in this regard. All the best leagues send their top two or maybe even three teams into this event in Asia, and then some of the sort of middling leagues in their uh, confederation coefficient also might send their winners. But once you get into some of the smaller leagues or lower rated leagues, I should say, they tend to send their teams to this event, the AFC Cup. And they are in a round known as the Zonal Final. And this is the Central Asian Zonal Final. The AFC divides up Asia into five zones. So these are the best two left from that. The winner will go on to an interzonal semifinal, which basically means the final eight. The matchup is... Nasaf Karshi out of Uzbekistan versus Ahal out of Turkmenistan. Yeah, how many podcasts are covering stuff like this, for better or for worse? Let's talk about uh, Nasaf Karshi first. They are known as the Dragons. Uh, it's a city, Karshi is a city of about 250,000 in the uh, more southern portion of the country. Very known for, uh, known for, amongst other things, for their finely woven, very flat carpets. Good for them. Uh, the Uzbek Super League is rated number 10 in the AFC. I don't know what I meant by that. Sometimes you just got to fill space. They advanced to this particular round by winning their group of four. The group stage, they went 3-0-0, scored nine times, didn't concede a single goal. They are in fine form. And why shouldn't they be? They're used to being here. In fact, they won this event a decade ago, 2011. And in more recent years, they've been here regularly getting to the playoff round or to the group stage. Last year, they finished in second place in their league, 12 points behind champion Pak Takor. That's tied for the second best league finish they've ever had. And in fact, they should have gone to the AFC Champions League. I have a feeling this has to do with uh, how good their grounds are, but it could have uh, any number of other factors. They were not able to get an AFC Champions League license, which is not all that uncommon in a lot of these leagues that uh, aren't near the very top of the Asian coefficient. 
They're halfway through the 2021 season right now. They are currently in fourth place. I think they will climb. Their defense is top four, and they've got the second-best offense. They've also got the second-best leading scorer in Kusayan Norcheyev. And then on the scoring leaderboard for this event, and I love seeing the defenders get in on this, and he is one, is 20-year-old Huznadin Alikolov. I practiced it, and I should have practiced it more. He's got a couple of goals. All right, moving on to a hall. They play out of a city I'm not quite sure how to pronounce, but only uh, perhaps mostly because I found multiple spellings for it. It's spelled A-N-E-W and A-N-A-U. I'm simply going to pronounce it uh, Anu. Uh, it is the capital of the Ahal province, just a couple of miles from the capital of Ashgabat, Ashley. That's in the south central part of the country. Uh, as of about 30 years ago, they had 30,000 people. I'm not really sure how much bigger or smaller it is now, to be honest. Uh, the Turkmenis Turkmenistani Higher League, or also known as the Yokari Liga, is the 20th ranked one in the AFC. And that's versus number 10 for Karshi. I'll explain real quick uh, why that's somewhat important. In Asia, if you look at the coefficient numbers, there's some big gaps. Basically, there's the top six leagues, China, Japan, you know, a bunch of excellent ones. And then you've got your second tier, uh, statistically or mathematically, and that's uh, associations number seven through 11. Uzbekistan is in there. Turkmenistan is down in 20th. So there's a real quality gap here, and I think they're going to be at a big disadvantage, to be honest. Uh, they've probably qualified for it multiple times, but they've never played in the Champions League. They've been in the AFC Cup plenty of times. I don't think they've ever made any late round noise, but I know they do have a winning record in the event historically. Domestically, they've won three league titles. Most recent one was in 2017. Uh, 2021 season for them hasn't started yet. The previous year, uh, neither they nor the league winners, Altine Asir, were granted AFC Champions League licenses, so hence they're in the cup. Um, Ahal are definitely the second best team out of that country, to be honest. Altine Asir will probably go further. Uh, Altine Asir won the league by 18 points, and it's not that long a season in Turkmenistan. Uh, that said, Ahal did have the second best offense. Uh, the problem was a little bit more on defense. They're average at best there. Uh, number three league leading scorer last year was theirs to boast of, Elman Tagayu, uh, midfielder veteran, 32 years old. And they had the best goalkeeper in their league, a guy named Batir Babayu, who has spent his entire career with that club. Match number nine. We forward John Word to Thursday. Match number eight, we had the Champions League. Match number nine gives us Europe's Europa League, the secondary international club tournament, where they are in the playoff round. That's the very last round before the group stage. The matches here are the second legs of the two-legged ties home and away. The loser will not be done with international play for the year. They will get to drop down to the brand new Europa Conference League, the new tertiary international club tournament, right into the group stage. Your matchup that I've chosen to focus on, just because the first leg was really high scoring, is Royal Antwerp out of Belgium versus Ammonia Nicosia out of Cyprus. Ammonia won the first leg four to do, so uh, four to two. So even at home, uh, Antwerp really have their work cut out for them. Let's talk about them first. Their nickname, interesting. They are simply known as the Great Old, not the Great Old anything, just the Great Old. As I've often said on other shows, uh, maybe there's something lost in the translation. Not sure. In any case, Antwerp is the capital of the uh, province of the same name, north central part of the country. That's the Flemish region. Second biggest city in the country, about one and a quarter million. And it's the most prosperous area. Amongst many other things, it's uh, particularly known for the diamond trade business there all over the world. 
The first Division A, the top flight in Belgium, is down four from a year ago in the European coefficients. They are now just the number 13th ranked league. Uh, Antwerp has made the Europa League the last two years, and they even made the group stage last year. Domestically, they've won the league title four different times, but not since 1956-57. So they're a few years uh, removed from their glory days, perhaps. In any case, last year, in the regular season, they finished in second place in their league, but then they divided into championship and relegation rounds, and then they fell to third place during that stage of the season. The regular season, they finished 16 points behind the real Belgian power, Club Bruggy. That said, uh, they had a pretty good offense. Top three defenses where they really stood out. Uh, they had the second best. It was basically them, Club Bruggy, and then a gap, and then everybody else in that particular category. That's what they lean on. Number six in assists last year was an Israeli player named Lior Rafailov. <laughs> I thought even if I wrote out a phonetic pronunciation, I could get that more smoothly. I guess not. In any case, he would be the player to look for most likely in the box score. Uh, For the new league season, they've only played a few matches. Antwerp is just one, one, and two. Uh, Their best player overall has probably been Al-Hassan Yusuf out of Nigeria. He's a central midfielder, really excels both in passing and in his tackles, plus he's got an assist. That said, you can't ignore Michael Frey. Uh, he's already got, I think, six goals on the season, although that might be a typo. Otherwise, I think statistically they would list him as their top player. But we have another USA connection. They've got a young defender named Sam Vines who just came over like two, two and a half weeks ago. I'm not even sure he's made any appearances for them yet, but who knows? Maybe this game will be the first one. He's earned uh, eight United States men's national team caps already as well. Meanwhile, Ammonia, they are known as the Queen. They play out of... Uh, Nicosia, the capital, that's got about 325,000 people there. Uh, Nicosia was a siren, by the way, in Greek mythology. And overall, uh, as the language has changed, basically now the name translates for them to City of the White Gods. It's a very socialist area in this country. Very, very Greek. In fact, they more or less consider themselves Greek, not Cypriot. Very much the Greeks of Cyprus is how they would define themselves. Uh, The Cypriot First Division is ranked number 16 in Europe. That's down one from a year ago. The club is ranked probably just outside of Europe's top 200. They lost in the Champions League is how they got to this particular spot in the Europa League. They were in the second qualifying round and had to face Dynamo Zagreb out of Croatia. Last year, they made their first ever Europa League group stage. So they've been here before and should be confident they can hold on in this 4-2 league. Domestically, 21 league titles, although this is the first time they've ever won it in over a decade, to be honest. Uh, They haven't played any league matches uh, for the new upcoming season. Last year, they won the country's first division by just five points over Apollon Limassol. Very good offense, but defense is where they really shine. They let in less than one goal every other match. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Well, not quite done per Sanub, after all. We still do have our super fun three bonus matches to go after this. We're going to stay in Europe one more time. Champions League, Europa League. And this time now we're going to talk about leg two of a playoff round match in the Europa Conference League. This is the first year that they've ever held this. This is primarily designed for teams that are coming out of some of the weaker leagues slash smaller countries from all around Europe. Now, I understand uh, a lot of people are hating on this. They think it's a money suck for UEFA. 
I'm not sure how much TV coverage this thing is really getting over there. Is there really that much money involved? Me, I love it because a lot of the clubs that I've been talking about on this podcast all year long are the sorts of teams that get to participate in this. And a lot of them are teams that don't get to participate or at the very least advance very far in the other competitions. Here, the playing field is a little bit more level for them. And so the match that I've picked for us to look at, Lincoln Red Imps out of the Rock. Gibraltar, yes, that country of 30,000 has its own league. Lincoln Redimps are one of the main powers over there, and they are tied at 1-1 after the first league against Riga out of Latvia. It would be impressive for them to be able to get this done. Let's talk about them first, in fact. Now, they play out of uh, their top flight's called the National League, and it's rated number 53, which is down three from a year ago, putting them nearly at the very bottom of the, I believe, 56 league associations. But, I mean, what do you want? This is a, again, it's a country of 30,000 people. How they, they just don't have the numbers on their side. But they have made some history before. Interesting side note, 2009 to 14, over 88 matches, they didn't lose a single league match. And that is a record for UEFA. They are named after Lincoln City, the Red Imps of League One over in England, where they were founded. I believe they had some sort of directorial connection, somebody on their staff who had had a big position with Lincoln City. They have never made the group stage of the Champions League, not too surprising, or the Europa League. Still not too surprising. So this would be wonderful, no offense, Raiga, if they could get this done for the first time. I mean, domestically, they're a power. They've won the title three, uh, 25 times. They are the three-time defending champions. They started the year in the Champions League because they won their own league last year. And uh, they actually got a first qualifying round win over Fola Esch out of Luxembourg, 7-2. to two. But then in the next round, they lost to CFR Cluj out of Romania, 4-2. to two. Uh, the new league season has not yet started, uh, so the best thing we can look at is last year. They were in second place in the regular season, but then they divided into, as so many leagues do, championship rounds, and then the lower half of the league into the relegation round. And they ended up coming back and beating a club called Europa by just one point. They had the third best offense, number one defense going allowed just 13 goals in 20 matches on the offensive side. If you can find this online somehow to watch, look for number one Gibraltarian leading scorer, Kike Gomez out of the Philippines. Meanwhile, Raiga, mm, another reason to root against this team. Not only do I want to root for the underdog, but we nearly made it through all 10 matches without the accursed Lions. It's not the official mascot, but almost their entire crest has the outline of a stupid lion on it. Every other club in the world is lions. I feel very strongly about it. Club was founded just seven years ago. It was a merger of two smaller clubs, and it's worked out very well for them. They are the three-time defending league champions. That league is the Latvian Higher League is how it translates, and they are ranked number 36 in Europe. That's up four from a year ago. They also played in the Champions League, being the champions from their league, of course. The first qualifying round, they lost to Malmo out of Sweden, and so had to drop down to the third qualifying round of this event, where they advanced by beating Scotland's Hibernians. Uh, they're currently, this is one of Europe's summer leagues, so they have actually got a body of work to look at. They're currently number three out of the eight. Well, let's say six teams there. Two of them have dropped out, one before league play really even started. Another team withdrew, one of the really good ones, in fact, normally partway through the season. In any case, they've got the third best offense and defense going over there, including number one league scorer Stefan Milosevic. 
I'm not 100% sure he's still eligible to play with this club right now because he has signed a contract now with um, Ironi Kiryat Shimona now over in the top flight in Israel. So if he's not available to them, they will be leaning even harder on 20-year-old Finnish right winger and last year's number or this year's number four league-leading scorer, uh, Michael uh, Soisalo. And now the official 10 are done, but not our fun. It's time for the three bonus matches. At the start of every week, I put up polls of qualifying matches on Twitter. You vote on which one you want me to do a mini preview for, and then the magic content happens. It's dreamy. The first match we always do is a first versus last place matchup from some top flight league in the world that you chose that we choose to call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, week. Week, week. And it's a matchup that is always worthy of daughter person noobs. Super cool echo sound effect. Love you, honey. That's great. <laughs> this is a Sunday match for the route of the week, and it comes from the Southeast African country of Malawi. There's Super League. Uh, in Africa, they only rank about the top, oh, two thirds or so of their league associations. This is not one of the stronger ones. This is an unranked league. But you know what? That's part of what this podcast does. We go where nobody else will likely go here in the Western world, where I'm assuming most of our listenership is. Hashtag footy everywhere. There's only about five matches left in the season, and it's pretty important for these two teams, one in particular. You'll see which one shortly. The winner and only the winner will go to the African Champions League next year. Three teams are going to get relegated. Side note, the second-place team might get to go to the Confederation Cup. That's their secondary tournament. But I don't think that happens. I think only the country's FA Cup goes. I've seen conflicting information. In any case, your matchup is number 16, last place Mzuni versus number one, Nyasa Big Bullets. They've played once already this season, and it was Nyasa Big Bullets winning 3-0 at home. First, we will talk about Mzuni since they are the home team. And actually, uh, at first, I've always seen that it's Mzuni, but I've seen enough other sources. Uh, I've dug a little deeper. I believe their name change is official already. They are now known as uh, Mizuzu Warriors. Uh, they were founded in the late 90s, in fact, as the Mizuzu Green Intellectuals, a university team. Not the most intimidating nickname, but there you have it. The university stopped sponsoring them entirely in 2019, and that's at the very least when the talk of the name change first started happening. I think it only became official this year. In any case, in the league, their goose is just about proverbially cooked. They trail number 13, Chinapa United, by 10 points. That's the team that represents safety for them outside of the relegation zone. Yeah, not going to get there. Uh, Mizuzu is city, capital of the northern region province. Northern region be the actual name of it. It's a gap city, by which I mean it's in the mountains, right between two of the big ones, the Vifia Mountains, about 225,000 people. One of the things this is most famous for, it's a very agricultural area, but they've helped themselves a lot out in that regard economically. The Vifia Plantation, it's basically a plateau, and it's the largest man-made forest there in all of Africa. Uh, they are not even the best team in their own city that plays in the uh, Top league here. There's another one called uh, Mayale Barracks that are also from Mizuzu. They just came back up from uh, from Division Two in 2015, and this is the second time they've yo-yoed. 
This is the 2020-21 season. The last full season was in 2019. They finished number 12 then. And in the years they've played in the top flight, they've never done better than number eight. They've only finished in the top half once. This year, not surprisingly, worst offense and worst defense. Uh, not a completely lost cause. I mean, they've earned 16 points in 25 matches, and they're at home. So uh, just a, a modicum of hope here. But their current form, not promising. They are winless in their last 10 matches and have only earned even two draws. Now, we'll talk about the Conquerors in waiting, most likely. Nyasa Big Bullets, they play out of the city of, I'm not sure if it's Blantyre or Blantyre, but it is the second biggest city in the country. It's on the opposite end, the far south of the nation. It is the economic capital of the country, city of about 800,000. Mighty Wanderers, another top flight team, are also from here. And in fact, Big Bullets are a split off from them. Uh, The team is named for Nyasa Manufacturing Company. Uh, they are the best team in Malawi historically, or you know, since their founding at least, and they are rich. They are very much the New York Yankees. If you like your teams to be super big favorites and not have tons of competition, this is your team. Right. However, their number one nemesis right now is Silver Strikers, and they lead them by only two. So I don't think that the big bullets are just going to you know, uh, you know send in their reserves here for this one. They need the win. Uh, they have appeared in the... Uh, a Champions League four different times. Uh, the last two years, they ended up losing in the preliminary round. They made the group stage, however, back in 2004. Domestically, 14 league titles for the credit, and they are the two-time defending champions. Best offense, best defense. They just took their first loss in 13 matches, but I believe that was in the Champions League because it was to a Ugandan side called Express. My thoughts on this? Well, I almost invariably pick either a 5-0 or 0-5 win in favor of the favorites. For some reason, my gut tells me that uh, this could be just a little bit closer, but not much. Big Bullets are going to win 0-4. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Not only are we the only podcast out there probably not just looking to shine a light on the really great or even sometimes really, really bad teams from particular leagues, but we will actually give some love to two teams facing off that are perfectly equidistant from being high enough in their table or standings to perhaps get an international tournament berth or being low enough in the standings to get relegated and kicked out of the league down to a different division or just finishing in last place. Yes, the most meaningless match in the world. And this particular Twitter poll got more votes than either of the other ones this week, and it was overwhelmingly in favor. Apparently people had it in for Texas this week. Major League Soccer, we're going to look at number 10 Houston Dynamo versus number 12 Dallas FC. Now, this is uh, known as the Texas Derby, even though uh, there is now Austin FC, which is in last place in the West. Boy, soccer is really suffering down there this year. Uh, But this being the original Texas Derby, they actually have something that they uh, pass back and forth, depending on who wins it, a working Civil War replica cannon. Notice I said working. Now, for those of you who have been following football a little bit longer than others, Imagine if they give a working weapon of that caliber away at a South American league game. 
Yeah, maybe we shouldn't imagine that. There would be carnage everywhere. Anyway, you can catch this particular Derby, hopefully carnage-free, on 8.30 p.m. on ESPN+. Let's take a look at the table and find out why it's so meaningless. Houston, number 10, they trail number 7 San Jose by 5 points. Number 7 is the last playoff spot in the league. They lead Dallas by 3. Dallas... In turn, lead Austin, the league's the uh, the not necessarily the leagues, but at least the Western Conference's worst by two. There's no relegation in MLS, but we're still using last point as sort of that point that you want to avoid, of course. So let's talk a little bit about the Orange Crush, or this year Orange Crushed of Houston. They have a mascot I kind of like. It's a fox named Dynamo Diesel. No relation to Vin, I'm assuming, but I don't know. That's a little bit out of my ken. Diesel noob, that would be me. Uh, Houston has made seven CONCACAF Champions League appearances throughout their history. They've even made the semifinal a couple times, never the final. Uh, Their best appearances were back in the 2000s. They've won the MLS Cup twice. That's the playoffs, uh, both in 2006 and in 2007. More recently, however, last year, they only finished in 12th place. This year, woof. Tied for number 11 on offense, number 11 on defense, and tied for worst in goal differential. And the teams, the two teams that have worst defenses actually score tons more and are higher up the table. And I always like to look at players, and I'm doing something new this week. I looked at all the uh, player ratings on a particular resource that I like. It's looked at the average one, so we now have a most meaningless player in the world or of this match, potentially at least the most average performing player this year that gets any significant amount of playing time for Houston is Adam Lundqvist. He's a Swedish left back who has an assist on the year, spent the first half of his career with a club. I kind of enjoy the name of Elfsborg even though it sort of does sound like it's like out of Middle Earth, The Hobbit or something. Part of the reason I find it weird and part of the reason I like it, maybe. Now, their all-around best player is Tyler Pasher, but he's out with a sore butt. Okay, the source actually says buttocks injury. I just think sore butt is more amusing. But he's got four goals and two sets on the year. Next best player, and I don't believe he is injured, uh, Fabrice Picault. He's a left winger, five goals, two assists on the year. Spent the heart of his career uh, with Philadelphia Union and last year actually with Dallas. So he'll probably be really up for this game. A bit more defensively oriented, really, overall. He's a very good tackler. A bit below average on his passing accuracy, to be perfectly honest. And then their team leading score is one of their uh, designated players, Maximilian Aruti, Argentinian center forward, six goals and an assist on the year. Another guy who will be very up for this match because he spent a big chunk of his career with Dallas. As far as their current form, Oh, things looked a little bit more meaningful for them, I guess, earlier in the season. But right now, they are on the skid. 13-match winless streak. They haven't won a match since May 22nd. Let's move on to Dallas. They are known as the Toros or the Hoops. I never did find out what the hoop thing is about. I don't know if it's a hoop that would be in the nose of a bull or Toro or if it refers to something else. Maybe somebody can get to me, uh, Soccer Noob USA on Twitter, if you know the answer to that one. Looking at their... uh, Curriculum vitae, so to speak, this team won the Supporter Shield, which means they had the best record in the entire league, either conference, back in 2016. They've also won the MLS Cup twice, the MLS Playoffs and Overall Championship, that means, 2016 most recently. And they've made four CONCACAF Champions League appearances. 
And in 2016, their Halcyon days, they went as far as to make the semifinals best ever finish. Uh, this year, they're right where they should be statistically uh, down in you know, around number eight and nine in all the uh, offensive defensive categories. Their most meaningless player, perfectly average, is Bresson, a Brazilian center back who's actually got a goal in the year. Spent a lot of time uh, back home with a very good club, Gremio, that we mentioned earlier. Another way, a great passer. Not so much of a tackler, which is interesting since he's a center back and that's a defensive position. Maybe that's part of the problem. In any case, on the league scoring leaderboard, very exciting player. Ricardo Pepe plays forward, just 18 years old, and they've been trying to get him to sign a new contract, and he has officially said he's not going to. Says he doesn't trust the club that to be able to get him any further in his development. Uh, you know, most like most very young players, he'd like to get over to where the big money is over in Europe. Most credible transfer rumor I've seen probably puts him going to uh, Sassuolo over in Italy's Serie A, the top light there. And that'll probably net FC Dallas something like uh, $6 million most likely. Best all-around player they probably got is another defensive player. Left back is where he is the most, but he's played six or seven positions this year, to be perfectly honest. Uh, he's been here his entire career. Really good passer, not much of a tackler, so definitely more offensively oriented. And now we've arrived at the true final match of the podcast, where we don't look at really, really good teams. And in fact, now we're done even looking at sort of middling teams. You selected a match for us that pits the two worst teams from some country's top league against one another. This is the match of... Disappointed! Yes, and it deserves exactly that much Herculean scorn, does it not, Kevin Sorbo? The match of Disappointed this week is a Saturday match, and you have chosen one from Mongolia. Because why not? Because nobody else is talking about their national Premier League, I'm pretty sure. Why? Maybe not even over there. It's the number 40th rated league in all of the AFC out of their 46 teams. The only one worse than them, uh, than this league, uh, that even has a rating is Afghanistan. Then there's a handful of other teams that don't even have ratings because they don't send teams to any international competitions to earn ratings ever. Now, they're just six matches into the season, but that doesn't mean that we can't find, find these two clubs just as disappointing, yeah, that's a word now, as we want to. Looking at the international berth and the relegation thing here, well, not that the international berths matter. They do get one AFC Cup berth out of this league. These two teams ain't going to be involved in that. One team is going to be automatically relegated, and one team is going to be in what's called a relegation playoff. The second-to-last place team will have to play the second-place team from the second division in Mongolia for the right to play up in the first league next year. Your matchup, can't believe this. So appropriate. Number 10, Lions. Remember, we were just talking about Lions. Now it's not only the mascot, it's the name of the damn club. you got to be kidding me. They are taking on uh, the team I want to win, apparently. Number 9, UB Mazalayanud. I have no idea about the pronunciation. M-A-Z-A-A-L-A-Y-N-U-U-D. Thanks so much for picking this one, everybody. Sure, appreciate it. A team that I hate the mascot and a team I can't pronounce because of all the double vowels and the Z and the Y. In any case, Lions trail UBM. That's what we're going to call them now by one. And UBM trail Congaree, the next team up that represents safety. 
uh, third to last place by three points. First, we will take a look at Lions, or more specifically, BCH Lions. They play out of Ulaanbaatar, the capital. I'm not convinced that all the teams aren't in Ulaanbaatar, by the way. Uh, the club was founded just three years ago, and up till this year, they haven't been uh, disappointing at all. Uh, they've earned three straight promotions to get up to the Premier League, and they are going to go right back down, it would appear. Uh, this is a breakaway club from another Premier League team in the country. I'm not sure the pronunciation here either. It's either Solange or perhaps Solenge Press FC. Uh, this team, if they want to stay up, they've got to find a earn a Way to earn a point sometime. Oh, oh, and six on the year. Six goals scored, 22 against. They're giving up nearly four goals per match. Woof. Number nine offense, number 10 defense. Now we'll talk about UBM. Kind of like their nickname. They are the Gobi Bears. It's like a knockoff of gummy bears, but probably a much drier snack. And no, I don't care how bad that joke really is. It's just what it reminded me of, Gobi Desert. In any case, last year they finished in ninth place out of the 10. I don't gather that they had to play a relegation playoff match last year, and I'm not sure why, but they have had the good or perhaps now misfortune of getting to stay up because they're not doing very well. They should have been relegated last year with Sumita Gepro. They've got the uh, worst offense in the league. Defense, just a tiny bit better. They're tied for seventh in that category. At least they've earned a point. They're 0-1-5 on the year. 13 goals against. That's a fair side better than the Lions, but they've only managed to score twice. That's not going to get it done either. Now, that's not a lot of information compared to what I've been able to give you on the leagues and teams and all the other matches this podcast. But, hey, you know what? Number one, you try finding a bunch of information on Mongolian soccer. Good luck to you. It's pretty thin out there. And B, perhaps this is all the attention that these two sad sack bottom feeding teams are really worthy of. The only other thing they can earn is our scorn. And so, as always, rather than good wishes to them, we send them off in our traditional manner. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo. And that's a wrap on episode 45 of the Tender Track Weekly World Match Previews podcast. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all his editing and production duties. To Dan, my former website, Interno Inferno, always on fire with everything that he uh, provides for the show. To, of course, my daughter, Persanoob, get well soon. I love you. And I won't blow any weird kisses of you, but thank you very much listeners for tuning in. I appreciate it. If you like what you've heard, I know there's a lot of soccer podcasts out there and a lot to choose from. We've tried to provide you something unique and fun and informational, and I hope you'll share it with your footy friends. Until next time, I hope you have a fabulous footy week. Take care.